All right, now you call it in the air. No catching. No, no. All right, flip it. Heads. <laughs> Tails. No, it hit the table. It hit the table. So what? Interference. You can't count that. Come on, are you crazy? The coin cannot touch anything. It affects it. You didn't call no interference. You don't have to call that. That's a rule. I don't believe this. Oh, oh, oh. All right, fine, Jerry. You win. Take it. Just take it. What's going on, everyone? This is the show, the Seinfeld Podcast. I am your host, Alex Lee. Good buddy, CJ Ward. How you doing? CJ Ward. Yeah, man. You know. Coffee's good. Water's good. Life's chill. Life's chill. You're chilling in quarantine. Chilling in quarantine. Hanging in there. Nothing to do but watch a whole lot of Seinfeld. A lot of Seinfeld. Talk about a whole lot of Seinfeld. Well, let's jump right in. We uh, We are three episodes deep. The Robbery. Uh, before we do get started, though, so this is episode three, but there needs to be some uh, corrections and reorientations, some asterisks, some footnotes, uh, some footnotes, uh, how, however you want to describe it. So uh, I think we did talk about in the stakeout the out of order nature of these episodes. So in reviewing this with the notes about nothing in the DVD watching, it plays in what I like to call the original order with male unbonding airing second, the stakeout third, the robbery fourth, uh, and the sock tip fifth. The way we're watching it and the way IMDb has them listed is the way that it's aired, which is Seinfeld Chronicles, stakeout, robbery, male unbonding. So it's thrown off my uh, Kramer entrances a little bit, and I need to add one to the first episode because i missed that okay so so what is what is your current count total because because i have my current count total here and i I just want to make sure i'm i'm with your count so up to this episode we are at three okay yeah i am right there gorgeous okay and then giddy up uh, one more little asterisk i did say that we don't count the stockbroker as an Elaine boyfriend, and it turns out we actually do. So, uh, okay, so she's at one. The anus is on me on that one. But that's why we do a little bit of the research online, and if people were to, to do that like like we do, then they would have already caught it. But I doubt they do it that way. Yeah, I caught it because IMDb is a bunch of bullshit. Corrections. Well, damn there. you, IMDb. And I've got uh, I've got some more notes for male unbonding, but that's uh, that is this podcast, but not this episode. So. Uh, we are talking about The Robbery, which is the third episode. Uh, it is directed by Tom Sharon. He, you'll see his name pop up Tom Sharonis. Yeah, that guy. Uh, he directs, uh, he's around quite a bit. And this episode is written by Matt Goldman. It is the first episode not to be written by Jerry Seinfeld or Larry David. That's crazy. Yeah. I found it interesting that, uh, they do this, uh, they decided to do this show about, like, their lives. And, you know, I'm sure there was a big talk with amongst executives or whatever, but I guess they trusted this show. And I, and I feel like there's some, you definitely see their influence on these because it is influenced on a real-life situation with uh, Jerry Seinfeld being robbed uh, when he was in college. But to, like, yeah, this guy wrote an episode, and they were like, cool, let's shoot it, let's go. No, that that's a good little bubble. Uh, I did not know that. I, I really didn't know how many of these in the first season were done by them and which ones weren't. Obviously, not, not, not the whole entire show can be written by two people. No, that, that's a good little nugget of information. Uh, another good little nugget, uh, 
this production was hit by an earthquake during filming. Oh, damn. Uh, do, you, do you happen to know the magnitude of earthquake? Uh, no, because it wasn't really enough to do any damage or anybody harmed. I think it's just one of those California things. Just one of those every day. Oh, yeah, there was an earthquake today. Yeah. Uh, and then last little nu- a nugget. Uh, I think this one's a little bit more of like a gold nugget because Larry David was given a $20,000 bonus as well as promoted to executive producer after this episode. Uh, and I learned this uh, specifically from the notes about nothing, and I thought this was interesting because there's a name, Fred Barron, who was brought in as a producer, and you see his name in the first season, and you won't see it for the rest of the series. Uh, he was sort of brought in as a guy that knew how to sort of produce sitcoms in the sense of, you know, we want this show to be successful. It's bringing a guy that knows, like, sort of the ropes and can kind of guide you guys because the executive producers i guess are the guys according to the notes about nothing are just you know they're the ones in place who you know make sure the stuff gets done correctly they're not acting they're not directing they just make sure that all that stuff gets done right they brought this guy in and then they saw i guess larry david's work i guess he just kind of i mean it's larry david's show as much as it is jerry's i guess saw how well he did and thought that he would be just fine given his inexperience you know turned out okay yeah i'd say it turned out okay given the uh, success of the show but (laughs) again really early on even though they had to fight and to get on the air you know through some time no matter uh what was going on there were still people that felt jerry and larry david uh knew what they were doing and uh trusted them to make uh make a good show and uh, i think all those people were proven right vindicated and such well yeah uh their their bank accounts are, are definitely a lot better <laughs> off today than they were then. Uh, and and they can they can thank those little, hey, here's a $20,000 bonus and uh, an executive uh, producer title. Uh, good job, buddy. So I guess, I guess it's pretty good return yeah. on investment there. All right, man. Uh, so this episode, right? Right. Am I right? Am I this, right? <laughs> what's the deal with this episode? That's kind of how I felt after watching it, too. Like, like even in my rewatch this morning, I was watching it and I was just like, okay, it's got its parts, but I just, it just, it just, it, it, it kind of just felt like a filler episode, which you don't. I think this is really expect. one of the first times, you know, because we, we kind of ra- uh, raved and loved the first two episodes, saying, yeah. oh yeah, this is this is what makes the show great. This is this this that and the other, and this is the, I think the first time that we're really reminded. <laughs> Oh yeah, this is this is the first season. We're still not entirely sure what all they're trying to do here. Things are still getting figured out. Mm-hmm. I uh, there's to me there's 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 one major question uh, that I have about this episode that I don't think they would do later on, and uh, we'll definitely get get back to that. Uh, okay. Later, but yeah. This to me was the reminder. Oh yeah, this is this is early, early. We have some bumps in the road for sure. I definitely feel that. Definitely. So jumping into that first stand-up, this joke, uh, I I read that it came from sort of the improv of warming up the crowd, sort of those live audience. It feels days. that way too, and, and I I think that's kind of one of my I don't want to call it an issue with the episode because the episode is still fine. But even opens kind of just, ha. <sighs> See, I think it's one of the highlights. Of oh, man. It's, yeah. I, I guess that kind of is going to. I like gonna, this joke. Uh, 
uh, project what my rating of the show is later on, but... I, uh, yeah, I, I think the joke, it's, it's silly, because I think it's also, I, I think I, I sort of, uh, no, I just, I agree with, uh, Jerry in the sense I think it's sort of arbitrary, and, like, who decides what finger, and, yeah, if somebody gave me the toe, I would be more offended, because I'd be like, ah, oh, you took the time to do all of that? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's way more offensive than... Seen- just stick in your middle finger before the finger it was like biting your thumb you know they uh in romeo and juliet mercutio whatever gets gets a a, a thumb bitten at him like that was the big i remember the big thing and it's like when the hell did we go to just a finger just this now yeah how does i i mean i'm sure there is this uh, this thing but 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 this one finger not the thumb that research not the pinky not the not the other ring finger, but no, just just this really really long one in the middle. That's that's the one that says, "Hey, fuck you." <laughs> one other note about this uh, stand up. I love Jerry's uh, outfit here. The tie was uh, really nice. It like it almost looked like blown up versions of like cartoon cells that you would see in like a biology textbook. See, it was, like, I didn't funky and, and it was like black and white. I uh, I think it was. Yeah, it was I didn't catch white. that. And I just like he he looked really sharp in that particular, like it made me want to look up uh, that tie for later. I, I will say he looked, it, it was a better looking suit, but it not it it didn't catch my eye like the ones in the previous episodes. It, I don't know, yeah. if it didn't it didn't pop to me, but I it was a better looking fitting suit than he had previous worn. Definitely better than what we will see him do later. So uh, after that, <laughs> we see we jump into Jerry packing a suitcase. Elaine's chilling at the apartment, watching him. He's going through the usual routines we all do uh, in our final checklist. I will say right right here this this little snippet of a scene though this this is really good chemistry between Jerry and JLD. Yeah. They they really really click in this little back and forth and. And I even had to uh, kind of go into, into some backstory with my girlfriend when we were watching this episode because she was like, okay, so when do they get together? Yeah. And I was like, oh, we'll see. About this is kind of what happened. About Yeah. That. But it, it's because of the chemistry that, that they really portray here. And they really, I don't know. I See, t- to me, this was one of the highlights of the episode. Yeah. Well, I, she's just, uh, she's a highlight of this episode as well. I agree. But. She's always a highlight when she's on screen for <laughs> I'm just uh, crushing a little bit. There, There is one part, and I, I, I don't remember exactly where it was, but I have it noted here, that she makes, oh, I think, it, is it the Ethel, does she make a joke about Ethel she Merman? She does make a joke about Ethel Merman, and I have a, mo- uh, a couple tabs pulled up if you want to go there right now. If you want if you want to go uh, to Ethel Merman talk, because I'm ready for Ethel Merman talk. <laughs> I... I did look up just just a little bit of Ethel Merman. I don't have anything pulled up, but I did look up just a little bit of Ethel Merman. What do you have on Ethel Merman? Oh, what was it? That she was known as like the the queen of comedy on the stage or something like that, but she was like mm-hmm. a singer. Just just little things that I can I can barely you know, you, remember. You mentioned that she was uh, a comedian. I know you've seen Airplane. Oh yeah, of course. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna play you. Uh, I'm gonna play you her her scene from Airplane. Oh no way. I've got, I've got my, I've got my T, I've got my, my speaker turned up. Uh, I hope you can hear this. Uh, let me know if you can hear this. Oh. Can you hear that? A little bit, yeah. 
That's fantastic. She she's an award winning yeah she's an award winning singer. She's won uh, two of the four Tony Awards she's been up for. She's a Grammy Award winner. She won a Golden Globe for Best Actress for adaptation of a of a theater play she did. Uh, the same movie she won a Tony for. Theater credits include that show Call Me Madam, Annie Get Your Gun, Hello Dolly. She was movie wow. credits include movie version Call Me Madam, It's a Mad 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 World, Art of Love, Journey Back to Oz, Airplane. She was also uh, in the 1960s Batman. Oh my uh, goodness! Of the Sport of Penguins as Lola Lasagna, The Muppet Show, and she <laughs> had uh, over a dozen hit records. So, shout out to Ethel Merman. R.I.P. 1984. R.I.P. Elaine describes her uh, roommate as Ethel Merman, which she thinks is a slight. I think that's a compliment. I think she's more talking about the way she belts out the tones, because as you could tell in that clip, right, she's right, just belting out those notes there. So she she says it as a jab. I mean, as we'll see, she is no Ethel. Uh, Tina is no Ethel Merman. She's more of the Marian alien in the future type. I think she definitely thought it was funny because right before the the scene cuts and they move on from that moment, Elaine starts to chuckle a little bit. I think she popped herself. I think she was like, oh man, I killed that one. Like, who's gonna know who that is? <laughs> yeah. But I that was a great part. I like uh, I like when Jerry is giving Elaine the rules of the apartment. Specifically, like I wrote down the rules of the refrigerator just because if I had a no refrigerator like this, it would piss of me off. Kind. Deduct two days off all expiration dates. No meat, <laughs> no leftovers, no butter. What the what? That's like two thirds of my diet. And then no soft cheeses of any kind. That's another third of my diet. Then how did Kramer get his meat when he came in Go asking for hunt. meat? He hunted it down. This is probably a different refrigerator than we see in the pilot and what we will see in the future for sure. And then the other rule he specifically gives her about the bathroom is, uh, you know, sex. <laughs> or, I know where you're going with this, and this is this is uh, hysterical. If, if you gotta have any relations, you know, do it do it in the tub. Which my first laugh out loud moment of the episode. That was a good one because it's like you know just the kind of friends that they are that we'll see. But in a future episode, Elaine does remark while watching a movie. Sex in a tub? That doesn't work. <laughs> Is that because she learned it over this uh, weekend of watching Jerry's apartment? <laughs> She's trying to follow the rules. That's funny. That's funny. You know, she is... When he comes back, she is in the bathroom cleaning. She is in the bathroom. She's trying to plunge. She's trying to plunge. She's trying to plunge. Did they flush the condom down the toilet? Well, no. He said in the tub. I would assume it has more to do with hair and bodily fluids. Oh, she was a sponge girl. We should know. Well, you're in the tub. It just all kind of rinses out, you know. <laughs> I'm just saying, if, if you've ever lived with a woman, you know that they have long hair and that stuff gets clogged up in a drain. That and, true. and if you are regular in the shower, uh, sometimes that hair and that bodily fluid kind of it, it does some things in that drain. Which can be a little gross. So I think she's just if you're right, if 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 we're if our theory tracks with her cleaning with that plunger down there she's trying to like get that 
taken care of because it's a it's a mess down there. It's gross. Yeah, Elaine had sex in Jerry's tub over this weekend. That is uh that's confirmed. That's that's awesome. I'm gonna look for that quote later on. When uh when he traveled to Minneapolis, so my last note on this scene is he goes to Minneapolis. Uh he met Laura when he was in Michigan. Uh, what is it about the North that just loves Jerry Seinfeld? I don't know. That is willing to pay him to come and play shows out there. Nothing else to do. I guess. But they, like, find him funny enough to where, like, I'm sure to get Jerry to travel to those states, it's got to be airfare, nice hotel, good booking fee. Oh, yeah. You know, and he's not traveling coach. If it's on their dime, he's probably traveling traveling business or first class you know i want to know what his deal is with george and why he gets george to keep taking him to the airport but oh, probably because seemed... george keeps making bets with him that he can't pay off like <laughs> you know jumping up and jumping into awnings and stuff you like know that. some of those awnings though they they look reachable they look reachable <laughs> but you're right he does george is always and it's it's weird for george to be so willing to do uh, airport pickups and drop offs. But yeah, for him to have to do something. The next we see, we see a, it's a quick turnaround. I'm assuming this is where you get a commercial break. And uh, we come back, and Jerry comes home, plops himself down on his couch, and what does he find? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> He's just clicking the remote around. Nothing. He gets nothing. <laughs> That's a good bit. He's. Yeah, he's been he's been robbed. Like shit's uh, shit's crazy. One one thing. Uh, well, I say one thing, and then it ends up being fifteen. If you notice, because it's it's they're back to back scenes, so they're pretty. It's it's pretty quick. He had a toy Porsche. Now we all know Jerry Seinfeld loves cars. He's got posters of them all over his apartment. A whole show about it. Yeah, a whole show about it. He had a, a shelf in between the door and the bathroom, the front door and the bathroom, and there was a little toy model Porsche. They stole that. So, like, he, he left that out of the report of all the things that he gives the, the police officer earlier. He failed to mention they stole his toy. Oh, my God. You know what would have been great is if, is if they would have left the toy but took, like, one of the wheels and, like, left it on, like, an axle <laughs> or something. Like, it, like, like someone just, like, boosted the wheels. Them all, no, take all the wheels. Take all the wheels. Leave it on the front. <laughs> little, no, no little uh, wine corkscrews. Uh, wine corkscrews. That would have been great. Now, that would have been a good little bit. But also, the, the thieves also left in Jerry's apartment above the the desk, above the old computer, where the computer was, there's a framed catcher's mitt with a baseball in it. And I assume that like has some sort of monetary value because you wouldn't frame something like that and hang it. It would, it's, you know, it's in a nice Unless box. We do know that from later episodes, Jerry does participate in in some recreational uh, softball. So maybe he made a good play or something, and he, he wanted to commemorate uh, that. that no, loving. because it's it, it, it's a catcher's mitt, first of all. It's a catcher's mitt, and um, Jerry doesn't play catcher. So you would assume they're in New York, maybe like a Mickey Mantle and kind it's of deal. A, and it's a baseball, and it looks kind of old. And I just I feel like at a, they, they took some high-value items, but they left that. And I feel like if you're looking at that, at that computer and that catcher's mitt was right there. You like, I don't know. I just found that curious for those thieves. I guess you know, their hands were full. <laughs> That's always been my thought, right? So like, I've one of my biggest things, especially when I was a kid and I was afraid of like, at night like getting robbed or whatever. You know, people breaking into the house. One of my thoughts that I would always go to that would calm me down was how would they 
Like, how would they leave with all this stuff? Like, how would they exit? You see, just see somebody going across a parking lot with like a big old like handful of like stereo equipment. Like, well, what, are you what doing? is like? I I mean, I think what you're. I mean, you're thinking of like a random B and E. Like, I think that like the crime you're thinking of is it, like that's not too thought out. I think anybody that's like r- like going to burgle a house. Like to try and do it successfully, you need a little more thought and planning into it. Like nobody, like a good a good sure. burglar. Sure, but this is in the mind of like a fourth yeah, grader. Yeah, the mind of a fourth grader is not gonna. Y- you know, yeah. Uh, that's why that's why fourth graders don't get away with crimes like that because they're not thinking they're not thinking ahead. It's not a spur of the moment thing. You've always got like getaway drivers, and it's it, you know it's it's Home Alone. Like what fourth grader hasn't seen Home Alone? Those guys, though, even those guys case the house and try and rob people that aren't home. That's. That's how I imagine every robbery situation ever going down still. Funny story. I was watching a television show, uh, and it was the season finale, and the dude found himself in a situation where some guys had showed up to his house, a guy who showed up to his house that wanted to kill him, and he was rummaging around something, and he had found uh, a bear trap in his brother's old hunting stuff. And I was like, is this motherfucker about to home alone the house? And sure enough, he did, and it worked. And I was very, very impressed. I was very, I was actually very proud of this protagonist that I had been hating on the entire season. But he was, like, built to kind of hate on, like, everything, every choice and decision he had made had just been for the worst. But he home alone the shit, and he got the guy with the bear trap. Uh, which leads me to my next point. Jerry should have had a bear trap instead of the Clapco D29. Uh, but everything about the Clapco D29 is perfect, except for the, there's just one flaw. The door. It has to be shut. It must be closed. This is, this was the second laugh out loud moment of the episode to me. That, that was a good, that was great. Probably the best executed joke, in my opinion, in this episode, just be, uh, between Kramer coming in and and the whole explanation and so Kramer coming in that that was completely on accident, right? Nope, nope, nope. That's the next. That's the next one. Oh, uh, I knew it was this it's, episode. It's the next. One. I knew it was this episode. It's the next. I one couldn't that you're remember which about. one. Dope, dope. Well, we'll have something to talk about then, now, won't we? Yes, we will. I think this is a good. Uh, a good little moment because we see how forgiving Jerry sort of is by his nature kind of like humanizes him. Like people make mistakes. Like you can't, it's just stuff. It's a nice sort of lesson that, you know, shit happens. You can't really be mad about these sorts of things. And I think it also kind of shows the even Steven nature of Jerry that we'll see where everything just sort of balances out for him no matter what. Yeah. He even tells him, ah, don't worry about it. It was a mistake. You know, it was an accident. Yeah. And then, uh, he says, I'm only human. And Jerry's like, yeah, in your way. Yeah. And then he does one of those, those Jerry bad acting faces right after. Yeah. yeah. I, I like that. See the, I like that moment uh, in spite of that because it's sort of like we always get these illusions that Kramer is just like, maybe he's an alien. Like, maybe he's not from <laughs> this planet. And we get those so early on that it's 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 fun to me. So we're back. Uh, so we're right back when the uh, in the apartment. Jerry is having his little chat with the cop. Uh, the cop is not buying any of Jerry's jokes. Uh, and Jerry's just kind of <laughs> Jerry's just kind of left out to dry by a lane in the background, just like, yeah, dude, you're on your own. She doesn't get it either. She says, which, uh, I, uh, but she's not going to say pretty... that in the moment and like validate, no. you know. And she's like, oh, no, I'm, she I'm just staying, lays out in the moment, I'm, like, I'm staying out of this. 
and it's kind of and it's like why why would the why would the why would he return your calls he probably tossed the tape probably already recorded over the tape doesn't want your messages well what if the messages led to more more loot more bounty <laughs> more bounty more bounty well maybe he listened to the messages and then you know maybe he used it and then he taped over it and got all relevant information he needed from it see the messages could be uh helpful to a burglar or burglar i mean there must have been there must have been a reason why he took the answer machine he felt it was necessary i'm sure Uh, it pays in a decent out of pawn shop so jerry uh jerry turns around after the cop leaves and george is there (laughs) uh yeah yeah so this word george there and and jerry asks him How'd you get in? He does the he he does the I dream of genie. Uh, the I dream of genie. Thank you, because that's the other tab I have opened. That was great. That was a good little like. What are you thinking? <laughs> do, do I need to state the obvious? Yeah, because I I love uh, I loved I dream of genie. It was something I watched when I was a kid on Nick at Night. It was an amazing show for it being black and white. It ran for five years and 139 episodes. I, uh, I'd say that's a hell of a fucking run. Jeez, yeah. Yeah. Put, put some respect. <laughs> oh, Lee. You know what I'm saying? Like, that shit is crazy. And then uh, some pretty funny... Pardon me. Some pretty interesting uh, start to the show. Like, the way it all starts is this guy, you know, he washes up on, a, on an island and this genie pops out of a bottle and he wishes a whole bunch of stuff and the genie falls in love with him so she tags along with him. Uh, but what the writer didn't realize is when he had the genie kiss the guy and fall in love with the guy that that would cause a romantic triangle with the guy's fiance that he had, for whatever reason, written into the pilot. And in the 1950s, that was considered, like, not a cool thing to do. No, that's, that's not okay. I'm sorry, 1960s, yeah. Uh, not a cool thing Pushing to do. Pushing the envelope. So, uh, I always, I found that quite interesting in my little bit of Ice Cream research, because I uh, generally did yeah, enjoy the well, show. That's a different podcast. Yeah. You want to do an Ice Cream podcast? No. It's 139 episodes. I, I do not want to do an Ice Cream podcast. That's a shame. Jerry is just annoyed at this apartment, and George tells him, Hey, man, I've got a great spot for you right over by the park. And even Elaine, as bad as this apartment is, it's better than living with who she says, you know, is Ethel Merman. <laughs> the waitress actress or the actress waitress? It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> they're the same. It's one and the same, right? As long as there's a waitress attached to it, you're just always, you know. One half dozen of the other. I think Elaine calls her the waitress actress. Uh, she she well because Elaine's got to put that dig in. Yeah right? yeah. She's, she's like, a waitress no. first. She's, she 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 she's yeah. no actress. George is just like yeah the actress waitress right yeah yeah. George doesn't care about which way it is. Elaine's got to be petty about it. Jerry decides it fine. I mean I don't want to get robbed. I guess he's doing well if he's getting paid to fly out to places like Minneapolis and and Michigan. Because in uh, and I'm gonna jump ahead just for a second, and we'll get to that next stand-up. But apartments in NYC, according to the DVD notes, at that time two bedrooms run between three and six thousand dollars. Oh, right. And he's got no problem looking at this apartment that's right by Central Park. So you could think that's probably on the higher end side. Maybe not full six thousand, but definitely more than three. 
Well, that brings uh, up so... that that brings up later questions I have about this episode. This episode to me is not not one of the strongest written. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, it's so it's so interesting. I think you and I are on the same uh, wavelength for this. So Jerry decides to see it. Elaine's like, yeah, I'll move into your place. So we get into this next stand up where Jerry's kind of riffing on taking the police report uh, like we just saw him do. And I think this joke uh, definitely stems from his real life. I think he probably wrote this joke after he got robbed. And the guys, uh, he says, according to him, the thieves broke in through his wall, and he said it felt like being robbed by Superman. <laughs> Which, I don't know if that's true or not, but I think that's sort of the inspiration between the whole punchline of the Batman villain. He's, he's dressed like a penguin, like that. <laughs> yeah. I think he was like, how can I write more jokes about, you know, superheroes and police report? You know what I mean? Because he's had to, clearly, was given a report by the police and, and such that, you know, just found a way to work all that in. In. I think this is an awful shirt jacket tie combo. He wears it in the next stand up and it's just awful. I think this is an okay joke. Like it's jokes okay. Uh eh. I found eh. Yeah. Yeah. Eh. Which I, I feel get like it, I f- but I feel like I think, with that punchline there's a better joke in there. I think there I think he got more out of uh the joke with the cop when he goes, Do you ever find any of these? And the cop goes, No. Like, like that, to is, me, that is the better joke. To, yeah. to me, that's the that better joke. The much better joke. And what's bad is that that's the joke that's made in like all of these comedic situations with with a cop and a robbery. Like it's it's the it's same the joke. Cops don't ever find anything. Yeah, yeah. But like, there was more use out of that joke than there was in his whole stand-up bit. Yeah. I agree. So we see next Jerry, Elaine, and George are visiting this apartment over by the park, and Elaine and George are. Googling over every little thing. Oh, there's a fireplace. I know there's a fireplace. There's a fireplace. Oh, there's a garden. No, it's garden. sort of barbecue like, on the weekends. Probably one of my favorite lines from this whole season. I'd probably put it in my top two or three if I had to pick. Uh, uh, go with uh, a top seven or whatever. What are you a tip of wood guy? Just kind of like chew, like he's just chewing the fat. What are you a tip of wood guy? What are you a tip of wood guy? Got a gardener. Got to tip them too, man. Like he just he's so. <laughs> What do you need a gardener for? Uh, that just that always made me laugh because that's something I could see you or me. Like, where do I get like I got I got a fireplace and an apartment in New York City. Where do I get wood? Does they del- and you know you're like I, I could see wood. you being like, well, you probably get it delivered. What do I get a tip? The guy that delivers the wood. I could see us having that conversation 100. percent well, Yeah, I mean, they it, the is wood? he gonna bring it in? Is he oh. gonna carry the wood? Yeah, man, I gotta tip him. I gotta at least offer him like a cup of coffee or something. I just I found that I found that pretty good. I thought I thought the walk-in closet joke on Elaine was. I find that realistic as well. I would I good. would do that. Um, she, if somebody is being obnoxious like that, following me around, doing I, all that kind of nonsense, I'd be like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna shut this right now. I found the really meat of like the the story of the episode like in this scene where it's like yes the the, <clears throat> the moving up, getting this, getting that taking on a better place, moving up in the world, becoming uh, more of an adult rather than, you know, having all this stuff. I don't, I don't know. I feel like the, the meat of the message of the episode was was in this scene. Yeah, like I, there's the desire to, to grow, to move up. Yeah, I, I, def, I, I, I definitely agree. And you def, that's what the show, that's what they were striving for with the show is and to do something new. And then the grass is greener. Everybody's one 
now wanting that apartment. <laughs> yeah, and then as we'll see, you know, in the end, spoilers, I mean, nobody gets the apartment, but they are back to where they were, but it's not the same. Like, there's still that drive to do something different and achieve something different. And you're right, I think a lot of that is carried in this scene. Uh, I think George is a little obnoxiously jealous in this scene. Like, bro, are you not getting a commission on this? It's your apartment. Can you not find other apartments? You're a real estate agent. I had the agent. same thought. I was like, man, but There's... like, don't you need this money? Yeah, if you get this money, can't you go get an apartment of similar value? Like, if, if, if you're willing to drop three to six grand a month on a place like this, can't you also find a place like this somewhere close? Like this? I just, well, I don't well, know. As and, again, I, we learn uh, a little bit later on in the episode, one one does pop up that he does inquire about. So we're, we're chugging right along there. They're, they're loving uh, living in Jerry's apartment. And then uh, next to me is 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 where you get like the the next scene to me is like the classic Seinfeld bit scene of this episode. Like I don't know if you want to carry it over. Sorry, I didn't mean like interrupt, but like no, 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 no. I was letting you. Hey, man, you got something to say? I'm not going to interrupt you. I'm just saying always, this next. I always scene, love listening to you talk. This next scene is just like a. It, it really is a scene about nothing. This this next scene, they're they're arguing over flipping a coin. They're 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 children out on out on like the recess yard, you know. Like they mm-hmm. it's it's fantastic. It's a good scene, but I can definitely see where most people are like, why why is this a TV show? <laughs> yeah, why do I why do I care about these two man children arguing about an apartment? <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> Jerry's trying to sell his couch to Elaine, and he's kind of being a jerk about it. Like, come on, dude. Like, why Why are you being such an ass? She's going to have to, like, sleep on this thing, right? Because apparently all we know, you live in a loft. Uh, so why are you being a jerk? Why are you, uh, why are you charging her so much for a couch? She did a She did I thought 50 he, was the right he price. For, he asked for $150. <laughs> he did ask for 150 <laughs> And then was showing her the door, like, yeah, yeah, no, 150, yep, yeah, all right, here you go, take which, it. Which leads me to my next question. If she accepts your $150 offer, why would she move it out of the apartment? Because that means she's moving into that apartment, which means she wouldn't need to move it at all. Well, yeah, when she ends up taking it at 50, she just, all right, she, she starts putting the pillows and stuff back on. Like, it's staying. George comes in, he's got the lease, and he's just acting like a total twat. Well, if you don't want it, I want... It, it, that, that to me sounds like, uh, well, what do you want for dinner conversation? It's like, well, you know, I'm hungry, but oh, only if you're hungry. Or, yeah, you know, yeah, you want you want tacos? Yeah, tacos sound good. Well, do I want tacos? Yeah, well, if, if you're getting tacos, yeah, I want tacos. It's just one of those just... It's the worst. It's the absolute worst. Jerry, he's just he's just trying to appease everybody. He's like, I, I mean, I want the apartment, but I also I don't want it to cause turmoil. So how can I how can I win this? I don't want it badly enough to not let them have it. Yeah, and I'm not gonna put my foot down enough to, to be like, Hey man, I said I wanted it, you can get over it. So he's like, How can I get out of this? So it's like, Okay, we'll make it fair, you know, I, I make it a competition so you know the winner loser you know it's it's a fair competition or whatever and the coin hits the table and i agree on in the interference call you don't think if it hits the table but they were going through all the rules in the beginning and from what it sounded like to me is that there was it, the way it lied was the way it lied 
And it, so be it happens, hit the table. It still lies. It's still a 50-50 shot. To me, it, it, sh- it shouldn't matter if there's any interference or not. And if George did want interference, he should have called interference. I I, I still agree, though, because when, when, when you flip a coin, you expect it to land on the surface it hits first. There's that expectation. I think there's the inherent expectation that when you flip something where it's supposed to land, is it that's... But did he know that Jerry was going to flip it and have it sit on the desk? Or did there something implied about that? Jerry's, Jerry's a bad coin the, flipper. That's, that's all. Yeah, but we didn't know George that. was expecting it to be on the desk it's, or on the it's, counter. I'm just saying it's the it's implied. It's that unwritten, it's that unwritten nature. It's also implied that we play it as it lie. Agree to disagree. You want to play you choose over it? I don't under I don't know this game. I didn't play this game as a child. Okay, so I never played it either. But from from watching it, what I gathered is that one picks odds, one picks even. So you can only throw out odd digits on your hand or even digits on your hand, and whichever one to me, I think it was the lowest. I thought is it the lowest or is it the total? And I thought it was. Is it the total? Is it? I don't. I guess it might be total. It might be total. What a game I played. Uh, yeah, I was a rock paper scissors guy. Yeah, rock paper scissors are a good game. I always seem to be good at rock paper scissors. I don't, I don't, I don't know if there is a way to be good at rock paper scissors, but I always feel. Well, like depends I was. on what what version of like I could, uh, rock paper scissors are you playing? Which which updated version? Which there's an updated version. Well, you have rock paper made. scissors. You have rock paper scissors snake. You have rock paper scissors Chuck Norris. Rock paper. I mean, you have all the uh, rock paper scissors poison. Dude, I was born when Reagan was president. I played rock nah. paper scissors. What we do get in this scene as well is we get the classic Kramer entrance. Ah, uh, so this is the this is the one. This is the one that wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah, this is the one where he missed his cue after George loses the shoes and uh, runs off into the bathroom. I don't know what the cue was for Michael Richards, but he missed it, so he overcompensated by bursting through the door. Audience laughed, and uh, he marked it. Yeah, uh, the, re- the rest is history. We're up to, uh, this will be his uh, last appearance for the episode, bringing his entrance total to five. Yeah, and it, and, and this really bought, so this is, this is my big issue with this episode, is I get that we needed the thing for the apartment between, to be between the, the three other characters, because Kramer's not leaving the apartment, so he, he can't be in on us at all. So we have to write Kramer kind of away from this main storyline but we never he goes off he's he has he comes in with this big deal about how he had someone in the elevator and had this whole conspiracy about how they were up to it and he was going to investigate more and then we never find like there's there's no closure on his part of the episode and i don't think they would do that later on later on they tend to include him more and more and more and have him even part throughout the episode and his story does come back to the other three uh, and they didn't do that here and i think that's something that they wouldn't do later on in the notes about nothing on the dvd extras it does mention the script drafts of the script including closure to that uh to that storyline where kramer goes to investigate the english fellow mm-hmm. I believe his name was supposed to be Bredrick. 
And Jerry, I believe, comments to Elaine about the follow-up on that, that Kramer ended up spending like three hours hanging, just hanging out with the guy and like drinking beers or something like that. So to your complaint there, you're right. There there was supposed to be some closure to that and they just cut it for uh, whatever reason that they chose to. And you're right. In the future, they do go and finish up those little plot lines. But you're upset about it not being in there. Just feel, feel good that they felt... It's vindicated. It's vindicated. Yeah, it was there. It just got cut. So there you go. That's how it ended. Okay, so th- this next scene, right? Well, there's a. Right, we're there's done with a, that one. Yeah, we're into the. There's actually one more stand up. Ah, uh, you're right. Sorry, I missed the stand up. The uh, the old law versus or the kid law versus the adult law. Yeah, calling it. And mm-hmm. while this joke is funny, he. I don't like the idea of calling the front seat. You could have picked anything else because there's a separate law for calling front seat, and that's called shotgun. If you go called front seat, I'm gonna go shotgun, bitch. You know what I mean? I think, but 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 that could have been their shotgun at the time. I you know who knows? Maybe the the law of calling it shotgun later maybe came with the time. Maybe I just we used to have a separate game. So shotgun. So and then we had we had a separate little mini game that my parents made and it was uh called first and it was putting on your seatbelt whoever put on their seatbelt first and so you could get in there and you'd call first and that was a fun little game that we used to play between the brothers and what would you me. win if you put your seatbelt on first practice safety well that just seems like a game to get you guys to not argue about where to sit and just to get you in the car as fast as possible Darwinism. Well, I mean, that's secondary. I, I think seatbelts are just ingrained in all of us. Uh, but I do support the right to not wear your seatbelt. Uh, I don't think you should ticket people for not wearing a seatbelt. I think, yeah, it, it does cost a lot. If, if you want to drive in a vehicle at uh, high speeds without your seatbelt, I mean, is it more expensive to clean up? But, I mean, that's I, you, if you want to raise my taxes to clean up that mess, that's fine. It's a natural selection. Here's a here's a hot take for you. This next scene is at Monk's, but you wouldn't know that because there's no sign or exterior shot. There, so but but there but there you can see Monk's though if if, if you look at the windows. How can you? You can't see that to Monk's because I I specifically looked just to see, but they still not still not in the uh, classic booth setup. Yeah. That was my other. That was my other hot take. Cause they're at a table, and I, I remember you specifically asking about that in the first episode. Still, still hadn't quite figured out that scene. No, that's where we want to go, but not figured out quite how to set it up yet. So, did you clock George's sweater in this scene? I, I, I did. In fact, uh, my notes say George sweater. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> He he looks he looks like like he's ready for the country club. Yeah, no, he looks like his what we will know as his future father. It looks like something Jerry Stiller would wear. Oh my god, that sweater itself was a joke in the scene. And <laughs> right, and then uh, I also have a note about the fashion. Uh, th- this is how this is how crazy this episode is. How much time have I dedicated just to the fashion of this episode? Jerry's shirt with the pocket. I remember. Remember when those were a thing in the '90s as a kid? Did you have those? 
I definitely had a shirt with a pocket. Like they were usually like some kind of short sleeve or long sleeve, and the pocket usually have like a little logo embroidered on it, and it was always supposed to be like like a casual, comfy wear thing. So you could also look like a little more, like oh yeah, like what would you put in that? Like I always thought it was for your like your pens and your pencils. I mean, but like that's like for like if you're. I mean, I always think of that as like, but it's like you're you're working. It's always supposed to be like a casual thing. Like, why would you put a pocket right there? Uh, I'm not a fashionista. Well, I just remember having that as a child when that would have been popular. Did my dad dress me like Seinfeld? He he might have. <laughs> I'm now questioning. I'm now questioning all of my life choices. Oh goodness. Oh, I do want to note that while George and uh, Jerry are discussing not taking this very nice, expensive apartment in the city uh, down by the park uh, with a fireplace and a garden, this very nice waitress comes up. Her name is Carolyn. Carolyn? Carolyn. Carolyn. Carolyn the waitress. She She's like, yeah, I'll take it. And this brings us to our last scene, which wraps up my questions about this episode. How in the hell <laughs> is this diner waitress? She's married. Oh, okay. But how can she really be pulling in at that diner? I mean, maybe maybe husbands got the money. I I found it very odd that she was like, oh, yeah, I'll I'll take that up as I pour you some more coffee. I mean, I it is know. New York City. Maybe, maybe I'm now diner waitress shaming, and and that's not right of are me. Are you saying? Are you saying she's 2020 are you PC saying, world? Are you saying she's too poor? Is that what you're saying? Uh, I'm, I'm I'm saying that if that if one one of them was too poor to be Jerry and George's friend, then this one is also too poor to have this nice of an apartment. Well, she is married, uh, and if you're worried about her being treated too fairly. Just wait uh, until the next episode when Joel Hornick screams at her about some turkey. Because <laughs> it's the same chick. So, yeah. So, they're at the housewarming. And uh, my last note on the fashion of this episode is George Costanza, the drip is real because he looked fly as shit. <laughs> the pink with the, the dark blue sweater, the light blue pants, the shoes, the watch. He was looking he was looking good, in that, uh, looking good there. Almost as good as JLD, but, you know. Uh, it's 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 hard to match her. Yeah, but there's one man that can come close. It's George Costanza. I, I was gonna say Art Vandelay, but I mean, ah, that sexy, sexy Art Vandelay. Right. Also, a note about Elaine. Why would she throw out her couch? Well, because she thought she was getting a new couch. That doesn't make any goddamn sense. If you're moving out, just leave it behind, sell it to your roommate. Why do you have to take it with you? Maybe her roommate couldn't afford it, and then maybe even then, maybe she didn't like her roommate up to where she felt like, I'm not going to do her that favor. I'm going to make her go out on her own. She would rather Bitch. throw her couch away than leave it for her roommate. Yes. Knowing, knowing this group of people, does that really surprise you? Yeah, but I think the ultimate would be leave it there so they have to go through the effort of throwing it away. Nah, they didn't, then you're just giving them a gift. They're not going to throw it away. Eh, I guess, but yeah, there's a there's a white couch in my living room that was okay that was left here by the previous owner of this house, and I haven't thrown it away. 
You're right. That was a gift. <laughs> See? <laughs> um, the, uh, okay, I, I lied. I'm not done talking about the fashion in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> because when Carolyn introduces her masseuse neighbor, all I could think of was those high-waisted pants. Mm, aren't those back in style? Because they absolutely are. Oh, my gosh. She was ultimately, like, 90s, wasn't she? Oh, absolutely. But you know those you know, those pants and those, like, shorts, those, like, high-waisted mom shorts from, like, the 90s. You know those oh, are back yeah. in style, right? No, when I saw that chick, I was like, this screams 90s. That's, that's coming back? Yeah, that's how people dress now. Oh, my goodness. Like, even that, it. even that, like, that black, like, whatever she was wearing, leotard, tight shirt whatever that was with those high-waisted pants like i'm pretty sure i've seen people online dress like that that sounded creepy <laughs> almost 90s babies coming in right dressing like their moms the and shit and then jerry with his i think i think this kind of cheesy uh joke about smashing the tv over his head i think that's just kind of like I think that just kind of says it all about this episode. <laughs> okay, yeah. I follow. Uh, even, like, because, like, even the, like, trying to end it on the, what's the rent? Everybody, you know, they're, they're eavesdropping on the conversation, and they're like, what's the rent? Like, what what's the what's the payoff there? Like, they're going to argue, they're, they're going to argue about another apartment? Yeah, it's just rinse and repeat. That's, that's the joke. It's, oh, now they're going to get back to it. The whole those guys yeah and that's the end of the episode and uh that's kind of how i feel about it is oh those guys <laughs> and then cool I, I don't know you know we've we've done our ratings and such and i thought this kind of followed it had the same amount of scenes and stand-ups i think episode two did mm -hmm. but it didn't quite have the laugh to me it didn't quite have the the bizarre the 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 gif, I, I don't know. Was this episode kind of fell flat. Right. I uh, I gave it a 2.9. I know it seems silly to give it a, like a, a, a point nine. Like, why not just give it a 3? I think a 3 is reserved for something that definitely added to the overall nature of what we're watching. I don't think it was anything worse. Because I wouldn't say this episode is totally unmemorable. Um, just in the sense of it's kind of an outrageous situation and for the first season, uh, and for what it establishes in terms of George and Elaine and all that sort of, um, relationship building. I do think the storyline is a bit out of touch in the realms of unrealistic, just an expensive apartment. They're all arguing between it. When have you ever argued with somebody over, you know, where we should live? Right. I uh maybe it's cuz we're poor and we have no problem cohabitating with people. <laughs> <laughs> you want to you want it's like a two bedroom. I'm like, why can't why can't both that sound George and Jerry live there? Yeah. Pay half the rent and both have access to the park and the garden and the it's fireplace. And Elaine can live situation. in the closet. Elaine can move into the closet. She fits. <laughs> they could all three live there. Like Definitely the weakest so far, but I don't think I'm not saying it's terrible. I mean, three episodes in, something's got to be three out of three. I gave it two cups. Two cups is solid. Hey, so you're definitely. I think you're definitely how, a little more critical how, than I was. How I would look back at this is if I was going back and do 
and doing just my my own re- rewatch of Seinfeld. If I was going through, I'm just going, okay, I want to rewatch Seinfeld, but I only want to watch it through these episodes. I would probably watch the first two, and I would probably skip over this episode on to some other of the next episodes down the linear line that I enjoyed. Uh, this one would be so far down the list for me. Um, not saying it's bad. Not saying you know. I not not saying that I I didn't enjoy it. Um, it would just be so down the list for me to on the rewatchability list that it's just a two. Okay. You know, we gave the first couple episodes, you know, threes, and I thought that that kind of pro- probably set the mark a little bit high for this episode uh, to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it it definitely didn't reach that mark for me. That's fair. That's fair. If there was a winner in this episode, it was probably Carolyn and her husband Larry. Oh yeah. Scoring yeah, that they they definitely won. Upgrade on the apartment for sure. Elaine's out of the couch. George isn't really out anything. He just had an opportunity to upgrade his apartment. He kind of looks like an ass in the situation. And Jerry's still out of all of his stuff. Yeah. I guess Kramer made a new friend. Kramer apparently makes a new friend because we never see him again. Well, in the in the script theory, well, in this episode. he's yeah. In the so. in the cutoff script, yeah. Um. Yeah, definitely don't need to be talking about any list because it doesn't make any of ours. So we'll save we'll save we'll save the seven for when it's relevant. So uh, <laughs> what uh what should we lo- be looking forward to uh, next? Next up, male unbonding. It is mm. uh this episode might make one of my lists though, but for a wrong reason. Like this might be one of those wrong lists to make kind of episodes uh, for me. Nice uh nice nice tease there. Uh, this episode, uh, this episode is the episode that caused the whole asterisk situa- situation in uh, in the beginning of this episode. Uh, just because of the way it was filmed, and uh, there'll be some interesting thoughts uh, and conversation around why the episode order was changed um, with regards to the story. And uh, there's also some good little tidbits about the name of this episode that will drop and then the third i'm sorry and then uh, one more tease the third of our four members gets uh their first significant other well look at there more stuff to look forward to for next time and uh that's been the robbery this is the show and we're uh, not changing it we ain't changing it i'm alex lee i'm cj ward we'll see you next time good fight good night